Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This week's show is brought to you by the following sponsor. If you are setting up a new business or just want your existing business to grow, then SB Marketing can offer the help you need. Whether it is brand development, graphic design of adverts, flyers, posters or publications, or to assist you online with a website, email marketing or social media. SB Marketing work with clients from all over. Within Dorset, look no further than the Bear Beer family of micropubs, the White Bear and the Saxon Bear. So to find out more and see the portfolio of work and services, head to www.sbmarketing.co.nz. SB Marketing, help for your business. Ideas, design, online. Welcome to episode 28 of Back of the Net, that AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. And if I sound a little bit out of breath, it's because I'm doing the frano during the intro. Do, 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 do. You've had a good weekend and so have we all. But Sean, you do look like a bit of a BG there. <laughs> what does he do? It's the skip and then it's the fingers. They're almost like we're shooting guns. Do, 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 do. Anyway, here's what's coming up on this week's Back of the Net. Well, where do we begin? We start with Michael's match report and then we get your fan thoughts as we go over a mesmerising 4-3 victory at the Vitality Stadium. 
Okay, God, I can't keep that up. Um, then we'll be talking about the game. We'll go into some of the talking points and um, some of the good bits. Well, lots of the good bits. A few of the not-so-good bits, especially about our goalkeeper. We'll talk about that, but mostly good stuff. I can't wait to chat about that. And then, Mr. Barker, you're going to be hot-footing it to the news booth as there's some very interesting stories going on within and around AFCB, including a mention for Dan Hall. Yeah, club news is back, people. Maybe for one week only, maybe for more weeks. Now, after the club news, we will then look forward to the game at Turf Moor as we take on Burnley, and let's hope they don't nick our midfield like they did when we were there a few years back. <laughs> yeah, or our manager, eh? And then we finish the show with a bit of a montage. Of course, it was a cracking weekend. We thought that the fan thoughts alone don't do it justice, so we put together eight minutes of audio goodness for you to gorge on that incredible match this weekend. Yeah, but to start with, Rob Frank is here with Do You Remember? And this week, it's not so much a quiz, but with Christmas coming up, there's always the talk of the Christmas break and all that. He's going to talk through a season that was fairly successful for us and what happened around the Christmas period. this week looks at a time when fixture congestion was never an issue. You know how we always talk about fixture congestion, should we have a Christmas break, it's too hard on the players, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to take you back to 1986-87, our championship season. Now, one of the great things about Christmas is how quickly the games come. But on this occasion, perhaps they came a little too quickly, because believe it or not, kids... Yep, this is how men used to play in the old days. We played on Boxing Day, which was a Friday, and the following day. Yep, the 26th and the 27th of December. So how did we go? Well, 26th, Friday, away to Bristol Rovers. We went there full of hope. We were in pretty decent form. We were riding high in the league. We had um, a new centre-back. John Williams was making his debut. I wonder what ever happened to him. He probably got old and big and got a job in radio somewhere. Anyway, off we go to Bristol Rovers and a fantastic result for the boys. 3-0 win with goals on debut from Willow. Another one for Mark Des O'Connor, our Mark Pugh type left-sided wide player. And Carl Bruno Richards up front, remember him? Not a great day all round, though, as we lost Dave Puckett to what turned out to be a season-ending injury. Now, Dave Puckett, he was our top striker at the time. He'd scored nine in his previous six games and five in his previous two, so the boy was on fire. It turned out he'd done his knee, and in those days, that was it. You were gone for the season. So, where do we go the following day? Well, there's no recovery, recuperation and oxygen tanks for our lads because they're up for the home game with Fulham. And we've got a little bit of an injury crisis on here. Not only have we lost Dave Puckett, but we've also lost Carl Richards. On top of that, Trevor Aylott, think, oh, older, slower, big fletch. Yep, I know. Older, slower, big fletch with headband. And uh, he was out as well, and we didn't actually have any strikers available. 
Um, now, this was in the days where you only had the one sub and squads were thin at best. So, how do we pick a side to play Fulham less than 24 hours after winning at Bristol Rovers but losing our only two remaining strikers? Well, what we did, we put Mark Newson, our captain, who'd been playing at right-back up front. So, really, you're thinking Frano. Think about centre-back, right-back. Um, we put Frano up front, effectively. Uh, we brought in Morgan Lewis, who was just a, a young, um, up-and-coming, left-sided defender. So, think about a front two, probably consisting of Frano and Bailey Cargill. Yeah, scary. And our one sub was Keith Williams, who was essentially the assistant manager, coach, something of that ilk at the time. So, yeah, we've only got the one player on the bench, and it's Jason Tyndall. A little bit thin on the ground. Fortunately, another fantastic performance sees us beat Fulham 3-2. Another goal for Mark Des O'Connor. Another goal on his home debut for Willow. And the winner came from Mark Newson, so maybe we should be throwing Frano forward a little bit more than we do. And there you have it, kids. Of somewhere around 26, 27 hours, two games, six points, on our way to the title. Who needs a Christmas break? Do you remember? This week, celebrating the time when men were men and you just got on with the games. So thanks to Rob Frank for this week's Do You Remember? And I found that really interesting. Who knew, well, he did obviously, that Bournemouth played two games in two days, as did all the other clubs. That's just unbelievable. I remember a few years ago where I used to play Saturday football and then the next day on Sunday, and I could barely walk in the evening. But, yep, thanks to Rob Frank, yet another very interesting bit of trivia there. But now it's time to relive the weekend. Bournemouth beat Liverpool 4-3 at the Vitality Stadium. And with the match report, here's Mr. Michael Dunn. Do, 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 with added franos. Do, do, do. first Sunday of Advent brought an historic and thrilling match to Dean Court as those at the game and tens of millions of viewers around the globe bore witness to our Never Say Die Cherry's first ever victory over five times European champions Liverpool. What turned out to be a triumph of epic proportions started in inauspicious fashion as Eddie Howe's team changes contributed to Liverpool's dominance of the first half. Arta Boric's return between the sticks in place of Adam Federici and Brad Smith dropped out to allow Jack Wilshere to come back into the midfield after missing the Arsenal defeat through ineligibility. Eddie's understandable desire to retain Nathan Aki in the starting lineup saw a rearranged back four, with Adam Smith starting at left-back, Steve Cook and Aki at centre-half, and Simon Francis on the right. This formation, and Liverpool's high press and lightning-quick precision passing, saw Jurgen Klopp's side camped in the Cherries' half throughout the majority of the first 45 minutes. Sadio Mane... Divock Origi and the versatile James Milner were terrorising our defence who, with a lack of support from midfield in the wide areas, seemed to have no answer to the Merseysiders' wing play. As a consequence, there was an air of inevitability about proceedings when Liverpool scored twice in quick succession in the middle of the first half. First, 
Marnie got behind Aki to snap a high ball from Emre Chan past Arta Boritz. Our goalkeeper appeared indecisive in advancing towards the Senegalese, hesitating momentarily to grant the tiny window of opportunity the Liverpool forward required. If the big pole looked culpable for that strike, worse was to follow two minutes later, when he somehow mistook himself for Usain Bolt and believed he could beat Origi to Mane's slide rule pass. The Belgian easily reminded Boric that pace is not top of the list when clubs recruit goalkeepers, but he still had it all to do. From my seat in the main stand, it looked as if the shot was going to go f- past the far post, but I was almost as flabbergasted as our number one when it nestled inside the net. At this point, things were looking bleak, and pre-match hopes of perhaps grabbing a Spurs-style point were replaced by minor prayers that the scoreline would not rack up to confidence-imploding proportions. When referee Bobby Madley decided to further educate Jack Wilshere in the dark arts of officiating decisions for smaller clubs and waved away a penalty appeal after a Firmino challenge on Aki, there appeared to be no way back. Fortunately, Jurgen Klopp loves spending time in the village of Bournemouth and instructed his players to take their foot off the gas when they could have easily gone into the half at least three goals to the good. Josh King had been one of the few bright lights in the Cherries' first half struggle, but he was replaced at half-time by Jordan Ibe. As I was gauging how to make the most of the double-pronged opportunity to win over the home fans and show Liverpool what they were missing, Eddie was forced to make another change on the wings when Junior Stanislas had his ankle turned in a challenge with Jordan Henderson. Junior's misfortune was the cue for Ryan Fraser to enter the fray. The diminutive Scotsman has not revealed if his watching mother could hear bleating in the stands along the lines of, why isn't Mark Pugh coming on? But regardless, he soon gave her reason to cup her hand to her ear in the direction of the dissenting voices. Almost immediately after entering the field of play, the wee man won a penalty for the home side after Dejan Lovren made a mess of guarding Callum Wilson, who squared the ball to the advancing Fraser, who in turn was sent tumbling by Milner. TV replay suggested the award of the spot kick may have been slightly generous, however this line of thought was countered by a complete absence of any protest from the opposition, and Milner hiding his blushing cheeks by burying his head in his hands. After coming out on top in a short-lived tussle for the ball, which begged the question, is this stuff not sorted out in advance? Callum Wilson showed the same icy composure as at the Emirates, sending careers the wrong way to bring the Cherries within one goal. Liverpool immediately returned to the gear they had been using in the first half, and with Jurgen Klopp's Strictly Come Dancing audition driving Jason Tindall to distraction, they restored their two-goal lead. Tormentor-in-chief Mane found Chan on the edge of the box, and the Germans struck an unsavable effort past Boritz. No blame could be directed at our goalkeeper that time, but following his antics in the first half, he was in no mood to stay out of the spotlight for long. James Milner sent in an in-swinging corner, which the Polish glove man used as an opportunity to check the accuracy of the goal decision systems, with the whole of the ball failing to cross the whole of the line by a recklessly slim margin. With the game apparently now safe, Klopp chose to withdraw Mane to give local boy Adam Lallana a runner in front of friends and family. The former Eiford resident stated that he was Bournemouth through and through in a Sky Sports feature before kick-off and must have been delighted to have such a close-up view of what was to follow. Eddie had also intervened, replacing an out-of-sorts Dan Gosling with Benny Kofobe to go 4-4-2 with a rejig back four where round pegs were returned to round holes as Smith slotted in at right back with Aki on the left. Fraser was continuing to make Klopp wonder how he had not featured in pre-match scouting reports and almost scored with a stinging shot from 20 yards which Careers just about tipped over the bar. The Scot was running riots by now, however, and scored his maiden Premier League goal in 76 minute. Tidy feet from Jack Wilshire saw the Cherry sweep forward from her own half, and after Benicophobia disguised his cutback to Fraser as an air shot, 
Our number 24 calmly set himself for a low right foot effort which found its way through a narrow gap in the Liverpool defence to beat the unsighted Kareos. Steve Cook stated after the game that at times in certain matches you can smell blood and the aroma of the haemoglobin was clearly quite pungent two minutes later when he made sure his name would yet again feature in the goal of the season candidates come May when he showed the deftest of touches to perfectly bring down Fraser's up and under before spinning through 180 degrees and with redemption from last week's error there for the taking, fired past a stunned Kareos. I don't think I was the only person inside Dean Court thinking stick it in the corner and play for a point at this stage, but our heroes in red and black were in no mood for such lily-livered compromise. The now-possessed Cook whipped the crowd up before taking a throw-in, and the ball found its way to Jordan Ive near the corner flag. For once, I was yelling at the former Liverpool winger to hold on to the ball, but as with all other previous advice I have dispatched in his direction, he completely ignored me and laid the ball back to Cook. Our titanic defender saw an opportunity to wrap up that goal of the season gone early doors, and given a surprising amount of space, smashed a low shot through a crowded penalty box, which the now brittle Kareos kindly spilt. With the Liverpool defence asking each other why they can't come forward as effectively as, as that number three, his defensive partner Nathan Aki reacted first to bundle the ball home and kickstart delirious celebrations which had Jack Wilshire hugging a complete stranger, an ecstatic Harry Arter losing all sense of navigation and Arter Boritz at risk of dislocating various limbs. It was a stunning spectacle that will live long in the memory. And although only three points were awarded as a result, the sight of Eddie Howe fighting back the tears and the sound of the faithful in full voice as they made their way home across King's Park make this particular triumph one for the ages. Covering all departments from the weekend, that was Michael Dunn, and you'll hear an extra bit of audio from Michael in our fan thoughts coming up as he contributed to the Anfield Index podcast this weekend to give his cherry-related views on the Liverpool FC show that goes out every week. So we'll be looking forward to that. Plus, we've got your fan thoughts too. Now, from Moribund to mesmerising what a game it was at the Vitality later on in the show we're going to have a bonus bit of audio where you can relive that amazing 90 minutes at Dean Court Sean and I of course will be having our say on the game plus there's a few things for debate as well including Paul Kenwood who says is Europe a possibility hmm but yeah as I said time for the fan and media thoughts and to accompany them we usually have a song and well we may have a couple of songs this week because what a weekend it was. Loads of feedback. Ross Devonport, Flash Dance, What a Feeling. Paul Kenwood again. Song for the game has to be either Tiger. It was a Rocky style comeback from 2 0 and we were on the ropes. Red and Black Exile had a good weekend, he said. A cloudless sky. My brother was 12th man. We met Eddie and then that result. The song, perfect day, of course don't blame you. Ross came in with I like redemption songs for that magnificent Steve Cook, said you have to take the good with the bad with him Dave Andrews, my song for the day, Chumba Wumba, I get knocked down but I get up again. Road Sherry, this song can only be EMF Unbelievable and I see he used the hashtag there Believe, very good and then Peter Gabriel's Don't Give Up. It's not jolly enough, says Steve Wright, so maybe Depeche Mode's I Can't Get Enough. So, without further ado, let's get started hearing your thoughts on that 4-3 piece of magnificence. It's Chase, guys, from Florida. Wow, what a result over Liverpool today. To be honest, didn't really expect anything out of this match to begin with. And the first half kind of went that way. 
things things turned for us. Ryan Fraser comes on, turns into a super sub, uh, gets the penalty to get things started, and then gets the goal. Uh, what an amazing piece of skill from Cookie. Uh, and then Ake finishing the job, picking up some scraps off Karius's, uh, uh mishandle. Um, what a result. This is going to be one that we'll all remember for a long time. Thanks, guys. You're unbelievable. Unbelievable game. 2-0 down, half-time, 3-1 down. Team keep going. Absolutely fantastic finish. I, I can't believe it. Great fight. We didn't give up. I think it was a string in the tail, wasn't it? It was so special to come from 2-0 down and then 3-1 down and then to win it in the end. Just amazing. Crazy. It was amazing. That's probably one of the best matches I've ever gone to as a woman fan. I was up. Scarf up in the air. Screaming, shouting, <laughs> lost me voice. Honestly, I love my club. I love my club. <laughs> I have absolutely no words, mainly because I can't talk is why I have no words, but I have no idea what I've just seen, to be quite honest. Um, actually, I believe it. I did not... I've lost for words is the first thing I'd like, really like to say. What an upset. The curse of Sunday is now over. Originally, eight defeats, no draws, no wins on a Sunday. It is over. We have got our first win on a Sunday in the Premier League and our first ever win in history against Liverpool. If you missed it, my gosh, you have missed a cracker of a game. Right now, a little bit emotionally drained. It was because, uh, well, I mean, at 2-0 at, at half-time, I thought, well, we're going to lose. We're definitely going to lose and um, we're probably going to lose by a few more goals didn't see the second half coming at all so yeah just absolutely thrilled and you know there's been endless joy on social media and indeed in the town like what unusual to leave the ground and the fans are still singing outside the ground which they were today um so yeah it, it will definitely be one for us that that lives long in the memory well we were dead and buried at two nil you just head yeah. in your hands thinking we're going to get taught how to play football here. We should have yeah. had a penalty. wasn't given. you just got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and get on with it. And what does annoy me is we don't get the credit for doing what we've done today. We've just beaten them. Give us some credit. We are a little well, we... club on the south coast. We've just beaten Liverpool. You know, sides need to finish it off at home because... Especially at home, we are much better. Um, background that we've got, and big, the big sides don't like coming down here. You know, last last season we've got uh, results against uh, United, and yeah. then the four-four draw against Everton. You know, the big sides like that don't like coming down to this sort of place. It's just unfortunately we can't take our home form away from home and pick up more points away from home. But um, you know, we're in the top ten now, and I think if we can finish in the top ten, achieve, and that'll be unbelievable. With the summary of the weekend's action from the Vitality, that was Michael Dunn and a big thank you to Chase, Michael himself, Matt from AFCB TV and many others for their thoughts about the game. Really appreciated you getting in touch with us and all the tweets we had too. There were many and what a game it was. Mr. Barker, wow. Well, the team lineup, let's let's talk about that because there was a bit of... Well, in the lineups there, Ake and Smith. Ake was left back, according to everyone, on Sky, on being sports in the papers, and Smith wasn't. What happened? 
Yeah, the only thing I can think is that he just didn't want to break up that centre-back pairing. So he wanted to keep Cook and Aki as, as the centre-backs. And when he'd gone through the lineup, he's going, right, who do I not want to move? Well, I don't want to move those guys. So how can I jig this to make it fit? Brad Smith, I don't think necessarily did enough in the last game to convince us all that he was ready to start. So, yeah, it just became a bit of a... Oh yeah, well we'll just we'll just stick Adam Smith out there, eh? He'll be all right. And yeah, that was um it was an odd one to start with, but as I said, that's the only reasoning and I can kind of understand that about keeping Ake, but yeah, I just didn't think it quite obviously well, it didn't work out, but the, the Boric one for me was a bit that was actually quite an interesting one as well. I was surprised that Boric was back. Just that whole competition for places thing I don't think Federici had done anything wrong. And for him just to come out, I don't know, where does that leave him going? Well, however well I play, as soon as Boric is back, I'm out. That one I wasn't so sure. And that's not (laughs) in hindsight after how you could say Boric played, but just right from the outset, that one I think was a bit of a puzzler. Mm, I think it's more difficult for um, sort of goalkeeper. I mean, obviously, when players have great games, it's it's easy it's easy for them to come back in the next week. But I think for goalkeepers, it may be a bit different. But anyway, the first half though, Sean, Liverpool were absolutely dominant, and I said on back of the net TV over on YouTube on the weekend that it just felt like well, all our other home matches against Liverpool, Liverpool were dominant. Um, Dan Gosling and Harry Arter seemed to give the way, uh, sorry give the ball away so much and we just couldn't get a foothold so it was pretty unsurprising really when Mane went through and tapped past Boric I think Ake in the middle probably not strong enough I would have thought that he would have had the pace to actually keep up with Mane but he just seemed to just get in front of him and then tapped at home Boric some people are saying he's at fault for that and he was given a bit of stick from the fans what are your views yeah I think and I had this discussion on Twitter with uh, Paul Kenwood we were to and throwing on Boric's performance and yeah I think firstly with that through I mean it's a great ball through Mane's kind of they've seen the gap behind our defense you can see with Ake he's trying to be strong but as soon as they touch that penalty area line he just eases off because he knows if he brings him down then see you later he's gone but for me it was when you watch Boric in a one-on-one situation like that normally he comes out and he does this big crashing kind of star spread a bit like Schmeichel back in the day with United where and lots of goalkeepers do it now but it was kind of Peter Schmeichel led the way with this kind of style because he'd been brought up playing um, handball but he kind of spreads himself and chucks himself at the player and it's quite forceful it's quite aggressive and it's quite a big move and he didn't do it in this one which made me wonder how his back injury is. Did he have a jab before the game? Is he still feeling the effects? Because it just, he was hesitant. And you can almost see as the ball toes past and Mane almost collides into him, he's almost bracing himself for impact instead of just going out and being dominating. So for me, yep, I would say that Burrich should have done better with that. But yeah, I just wondered if the injury was on his mind. And then, of course, a couple of minutes later... And as a goalkeeper, if you've made the wrong decision, and I think you could argue that it was a decision-making in that first one, sometimes you have that in your brain. And then that ball through, he's come up off his line and 
there's no way he should have come for that ball. Now, I've watched it back quite a lot. And when the ball is played through, the strikers... Um, Rigi's on the on the half inside their own half, pretty much, isn't he? He's not like, on the halfway line. Yeah. Now, if Boric's starting position was just outside the area, which arguably it should really be where the ball is in play, that far deep, I think if he commits and he comes out, he wins that ball. But by the time the it pans to the camera changes and you can see Origi's closer to the ball or whatever, Boric is still just coming outside of his area. So he was far too deep to, to consider coming out for that ball. If he'd have stayed there, you've got Cook, you've got Ake, probably Origi's got to beat at least one of them. He's going to be at a tight angle. Yeah, that was, uh, for me, very, very poor decision. As a former goalkeeper, at what point does doubt go through your mind? Because he's obviously <laughs> thinking, right, I'm going to go out now. But, you know, maybe at the very start of your decision, within the first second, two seconds, you can think, actually, this is not worth it. But is it a case that once you make the decision, you've just got to go with it? Pretty much, yeah. And um, I can tell you, I have been in Burrich's position many times because <laughs> I like to come out of the box. And you get oh, that yeah. moment where you just go this isn't going to work out for me. And then you have that thought of, well, at least I might be able to get close enough to put some kind of challenge on the player or whatever else. But yeah, it's that horrible. It hits you a few seconds before it hits everyone else of, I've done the wrong thing here. And you just have to see it through and hope that, I don't know, you might get closer. You can't really, because if he'd have stopped, then Origi's probably going to look up and chip him anyway. So you just have to see it through. But, yeah, and then you have that horrible moment when you turn round and you see the strikers away. Yeah. yeah, not good. No, and he was obviously riled by the home fans. They jeered one of his crosses that he caught, and he he, he visibly swore twice um, at them. Uh, were the cameras on you twenty four seven like they are in the Premier League? I don't know. I'm I'm in two minds about that. But he was obviously a, fr- a frustrated. Sort of guy, so I, I can't really blame him. But yeah, Liverpool were dominating. Arta and Gozo. Well, Arta gave away that ball for Henderson to then um, play that amazing through ball. But I, I, I felt the midfield really didn't have much of a grip. Jack Wilshere had less touches in the first half an hour than Arta Boric did, which tells its own story. Um, Ake, was that a penalty? Firmino went in. There was definite contact there, but do you think it was enough? I mean, Naki went down, but would you have... All... Sean, you are the ref. What's your decision? My hand is pointing at the penalty spot. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I can't see how there's any doubt. I mean, if, if Deli Ali can win one for what he did, if um, Frano, Frano could give one away like he did uh, a few mm. weeks back, I mean, it's, it's an absolute penalty. And the referee's got... A, good position there to see it and I guess for me the the one of the most frustrating things about that first half was uh we were just kind of kicking it on halfway and giving them the ball we weren't one of we weren't kind of aiming enough for Wilson but even when Wilson was getting close he wasn't holding the ball up it just wasn't sticking was it there was just no out for us and it was just wave after wave and I mean as the halftime whistle blew the BN Sports said that it's just been a you know, a stroll in the park for Liverpool, and it and it was, and I think ultimately that was actually their downfall, wasn't it? Was that they were so comfortable at two nil that mm. in their heads it must have been, well, we just see this game out now, and then second half starts, and it was just the same tempo from Liverpool, wasn't it? And it was just like, oh yeah, we've just got to see this forty five minutes out, and 
the game's all over. Yeah, that's right. So I came on for King at half time, and then there was that unfortunate injury for Stanislas. But if ever there are blessings in disguise, that was one of them because Fraser came in and what was it within 30 seconds, an immediate impact. Wilson won the ball off Lovren and he put uh, Fraser in and Milner clattered in. That was a pen as well, yeah? Yeah, Milner's face as he just sat there and grinned. There's a wry smile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then... It was a pen. As Wilson stepped up, all I could think, Sam, listening back, you know, thinking of last week's show, is he going to yeah. do him with the eyes? And, and my <laughs> thought was, Callum, don't put it in the same place. Don't put it in the same place. Puts it in the same place. Keeper's gone the wrong way. It's officially a tremendous penalty, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, at this point, then, it was do or die. And it felt as though we were getting a foothold again. But then Liverpool scored. A bit of trickery from Mane and Ake and Ibe didn't really close him down. Uh, Emre Chan, um, it was a great finish with his uh, with his right boot, wasn't it? So that that made it 3-1. And at this point, you're sort of, your kind of optimism that you garnered over the last 10 minutes has just been deflated again. And you see that we've got 20 minutes left. And I don't know about you, Sean, but you know when you were watching the game, I knew the results. So I was just like thinking about you all evening thinking, I can't wait for Sean to watch this. And part of me thought, oh, please don't switch off. Yeah, no, because <laughs> so what I what we did for this game is because um, it was going to be through the night. It was on a work day. So we record the game. We get up at oh, we've got a baby. So it's about six o'clock. No looking at phones, no looking at iPads, nothing. Just get up, put the game on, watch the pre-match build up. So it's as if it's live and kind of got used to doing that really over the years. So it, it still feels like you kind of trick yourself, really. And um, no, there was certainly no turning off. I did see that uh, Vinnie Goodfield posted to say that his mate who was in the ground with him apparently left at 3-1 to go oh. to the pub. <laughs> oh, dear. What yeah, a so, bad decision that was. Although, kind of watching the game, though, it was like, you know, you're playing Liverpool. They've just gone 3-1. Surely, I mean, you're thinking it's that has to be game over now, but... As uh, one of the Liverpool blogs said, this guy Fraser that came on for a 20-minute period, I think I pretty much quote, he was the best player in the world, according to this <laughs> yeah. Liverpool blog. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, yeah, but surely, I mean, it could have been all different. Um, as a goalkeeper, I'm sure you'd want to comment, but we will press on. But my goodness, that Milner corner, Boric was so casual. I mean, do you want to comment about that? It was millimetres, millimetres. I know, but he's... He's he's a he's a casual guy, eh? Like he's he's an interesting character, Boric. I I actually love him, and and for all that, you know, I posted a funny thing on Vitler about his get out of jail free card image being changed to Boric celebrating at the end, just in jest. But I'm actually a big fan of his, and I like his attitude. There's there's some goalkeepers that are very straight, and that just they would just they're always full on concentrating, and I think that Boric sometimes he is a little bit laid back, and I mean in the in the in the old days surely that goal would have been given. And when you watched it back to see it was, what, an inch over the line. I mean, then 4-1, yeah. game over. But um, yeah. pretty much... And and, and I think we'd not just Fraser, although obviously Fraser's getting all the plaudits. Um, I think Ibe, when he came on, did did some good stuff. And I think Fobe worked so hard and was just, just seemed to have fire in his belly, didn't he? 
Yeah, he really did. And he was there as Ryan Fraser did notch that second goal for Bournemouth. Obviously, um, Fraser was instrumental, set Callum free. And there was a touch... Uh, I, I can't I can't blame Mafobo for that touch really because it was a little bit behind him, but he got something on it which just slowed it down for Ryan Fraser to then finish with his with his right boot. Um, the Liverpool keeper I think probably could have done better there, but yeah, that was two three. Yeah, I think Mafobo. What I liked about Mafobo is he just he got in front of the defender, didn't he, and just got his body in the way, and it was one of those where he just kind of yeah, you could say stumbled over it, or he's just kind of got enough to deflect it back, knowing Fraser's there, and I mean. From the Wee Man, what a cool finish! Just a it, it, pace low, and I loved his face. Eh? Even though you know we're still losing, <laughs> he was smiling so much, wasn't he? A bigly yeah, he smile. Really was, it? it was a bigly smile. Yeah, that's. That's right. Uh, Tim Hancock uh, tweeted us to say, have you heard the Guardian Football Weekly podcast this week? A phobe created havoc. The goal will come. I completely agree with that, Tim. But then another goal for Bournemouth did come only within a couple of minutes. And Lionel, uh, Lionel Cook, Steve Cook, <laughs> Lionel Messi. It could be, you know what? What a finish that was. It was uh, Fraser that crossed, Cook pulling it out of the air. What a finish that was. That was classy, Sean. How good did that look in the stadium? Oh, amazing. Absolutely incredible. Just the way he pulls it down. I mean, it was behind him. The ball was actually behind him, but then he sort of moved his body and then the ball, it was a half volley or just a little bit more than a half volley. And to actually get that composure and hit it in the bottom corner like he did was, I thought, phenomenal. And do you know what, actually, because I watched the game back, I've watched it twice now, two and a half times, I think, because it's one of those games you're happy to watch again and again. And actually... Steve Cook, pretty much throughout that entire game, was magnificent. There was yeah. the headers from crosses. There was tackles being made. I mean, yeah, if it if it wasn't for Fraser and if uh, and his incredible performance for me, it was Steve Cook was definitely up there. Aside from the wonder goal, just man, he just played so well. Yeah, he, I mean, he should have, in my opinion, should have got man of the match. I mean, I don't know how long Ryan Fraser was on the pitch, maybe even um, less than half an hour, and Sky gave him man of the match on 84 minutes. So by that time, he'd, he'd barely featured. But, you know, Fraser um, was, was again sort of in the mix in the last minute, and you're thinking, is he, you know, is he going to uh, grab something for us? But anyway, what happens is uh, we have that... Uh, well, Sean, talk us through the goal. Talk us through the goal. Well, before that, what about a Fobase chance? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because, oh. I mean, he's got, you say he needs to get a goal and whatever else. I mean, man, he's gone through, he's one on one. And I think, yeah, just it's a, it's a, it's a shot from a guy that, you know, hasn't got a goal, is it? You know, if he'd, if he'd have notched a few, he probably would have been a bit more relaxed. And I think it would have slotted in the bottom corner. I mean, Carius has done pretty well, but it's it's relatively mm. straight at him. But and you could tell if Fobe was like, "Ah, oh, man, that was my chance." But as you say, we thought at that point was that our chance? And as it went into injury time, Andy oh. Townsend on co-commentary he was asked by um, John Champion, I think it was with with him. It, they said, "So Townsend, you know, um, what's going to happen here in injury time?" And he said, "I don't want to bet what's going to happen." However. I have a feeling there could be another goal for Bournemouth. And then when they said five minutes to go, he said that's more than enough chance to have that mm. one moment. And 
Oh, it happened. It happened all right. I mean, Jordan Ive uh, grabbed the ball after that long throw came in. It was clear Jordan Ive, as we've heard with Michael, laid it back. I thought Steve Cook was going to cross straight away, but he didn't. And obviously at half time, I mean, afterwards, he said that we've been told to test Carrius, and he did that all right. And then Nathan Ake was on hand to, to bundle it home. The Vitality Stadium erupted. And then Sean... Do you want to do that dance again? Because we all did the Frano. Do, 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 do. I love it. And if, you, if you're not aware what the Frano is, have a look online for the videos. We'll see if um, Sam will retweet it. But there's this glorious moment as Aki's running to the corner flag. And there's Frano doing a little skip. And he's just firing his fingers towards the north stand in a do-do-do. And then uh, I think Carrie Payton posted the video from when we won the championship at Charlton and yeah. there was Frano doing this skip then. So it's definitely the new new um, move. And I know Cookie said afterwards that he was absolutely exhausted from celebrating that goal yeah. with Ake. And we were going nuts. It was just me and Sky, my baby. She's in my arms. We're jumping up and down. She's got her Bournemouth shirt on. And we've actually got had a builder in the house doing some work. And he'd been knocking on the front door for 10 minutes and we oh, didn't no hear way. him. So he ended up just coming in the back door and he's just seen me almost in tears with Sky just going nuts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Steve Cook in the post-match interview, he, he said it, that he was the villain last week. He admitted it and he said it's always it's always nice to put something right. And he said it's the best day in his club's history. Interestingly, I don't know if you've seen the match of the day commentator. Um, little does he know Steve Cook, because as soon as he scored his goal, he said, I bet he's not scored as many as good as that. I'm thinking, <laughs> hello, I think he has. Nearly every one of his previous goals has been an absolute worldie. Um, what I also liked when you see um, the reactions of the players, Jack Wilshire, he really loved it. Now, what I like doing is I like going back and watching the goals. But then, then I, I this is this is sad, maybe geeky. I like to watch. <laughs> I like to watch each and every player's reaction into the goal and look at um, Wilshire's reaction on Steve Cook's equaliser. He absolutely loves it. And it just shows that he's not just turning up to collect wages every week. The passion on his face was completely immeasurable. Yeah. And again, with Boric at the end, I mean, you watch him celebrating that goal, doing a, his version, the Polish version of the Frano, I think, which was the clenched fist version. But he was so elated. Now, yeah, partly, I think, because if the result had gone the other way, I think we probably would have been talking a bit more about the goalkeeping performance, but also just, you know, he's very much part of the team. And I say, I, I love the big pole and to see that kind of celebration from him and whatnot. And the, and the way the stadium got going eventually, I mean, man, I've got to make reference of how quiet the ground was though yeah. for long periods. It was almost like it was a NAF preseason. You could hear the players shouting, you could hear Klopp shouting and yeah. then, Finally, once we started to get back into the game, well, then everyone got going. And, you know, Cookie waving his arms before the throw-in for the winning goal, getting everyone going. And it's times like that where, yeah. as great as it was here watching it, it's, yeah, it's moments like that. And you think, man, I wish I was back in row L. I think I was in <laughs> row L, seat 88 of the North Stand because I wouldn't have ended up in Roel. I would have ended up at least four or five rows in front, I reckon, by the time the celebration <laughs> stopped. 
Well, Sean, we're in danger of making this a two-hour-long podcast. Ryan Smith actually tweeted us saying, looking forward to the two-hour podcast. Um, just got to say one thing about Jurgen Klopp. Very, very gracious. Congratulated Brad Smith and Jordan I with a, a real sincerity and also made some really lovely comments about Bournemouth. Um, quickly, just want to go through some tweets before we do the puns. Um, Ryan Fraser, thank you for the messages. Amazing day yesterday. Great to get the win and my first Premier League goal. And also, all the players got involved. Mark Pugh, amazing comeback and result. Callum Wilson, what a game. Great character from the lads. Uh, Paul Kenwood, point for debate. Europe a possibility? We might chat about that later, Paul. Uh, Tom Latcham with some interesting comments, which we'll um, we'll talk about later. And also, Sean, we've got to talk about next week's lineup because it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Steve Traylon, not even Eddie had a dream about this, but let's go to the puns, hey? Um, everyone was in dreamland somewhat, so we had a few coming in. Marco Pinon, 90th minute goal breaks Liverpool's ake breaky heart. Yeah. It's it's almost like he's not heard previous podcasts, <laughs> eh, Sean? Good effort, um, Steve, Yeah, Steve Wright, podcast pun. How's that? 300 not out for Eddie. Very good. Um, Tony Maycock said he couldn't even think of a bad pun. So thanks for that input, Tony. Uh, Nick Smith, Liverpool's yellow submarine arrived on the south coast today, but were doomed by the arrival of Bournemouth sub Fraser. And then Ross Devonport piped up with Wee Man Turns He-Man and Steve Cook's a smashing main course and a tasty dessert that Ake gobbles up as cherries shock the world. Sean, do any of them float your boat? Yeah, I like the last one. That's good. Good. Right. So I've probably been rabbiting on Sean. So I've given you enough chance to get changed into your rather smart suit and smart jacket and hop on into the news booth for the latest from the Vitality Stadium in our club news. The Cherries face a trip into the lion's den. The draw for the FA Cup third round took place this week and AFC Bournemouth have been picked to face Millwall at the Den. EFL League One club Millwall defeated Braintree 5-2 in the second round to secure their place in the big round where the Premier League clubs join the tournament. With safety in the Premier League looking like it could well happen, some AFCB fans are viewing this year's cup tournament as a chance to have a crack at silverware, so it will be interesting to see the side selected for this match, with how previously favouring cup competitions as a chance for the reserves to get a run out. Will he stay or will he go now? Eddie Howe and Nathan Aki both insist that the player looks likely to remain on loan for the rest of the season, although there are rumours of a possible recall from Chelsea due to the Dutchman's great form in red and black. Howe told the Daily Echo that we will have to see what happens, stating that most loan agreements include certain clauses. I did the quote sign with my fingers. Now, Aki also told the newspaper when asked if he would like to stay, Yes, of course. It is early to say, but I think the loan is for the whole season. 
So, let's hope Chelsea continue their good form so we will have no need to see Aki leaving for London. Cherry's fan Dan gets fan funding support. Dan Hall is an avid AFC Bournemouth fan and an active member of the AFCB Twitter community. Dan was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukaemia on 31st of October 2014, aged just 26. He has been through seven rounds of chemotherapy at Royal Bournemouth Hospital and in the summer of 2015 underwent a bone marrow transplant at Southampton General Hospital from an American donor where he then had to spend just under three months in hospital away from his friends, family and his three-year-old daughter. There is currently a funding campaign running on the GoFundMe website with the aim of raising urgent funds so that Dan can participate in a non-NHS trial drug that could give Dan the gift of life. Now, if you would like to support Dan and his campaign, please head to www.gofundme.com forward slash Dan hyphen halls hyphen medical hyphen treatment hyphen fund or we've included the link within the show notes of this episode. All the best, Dan, and up the cherries in all departments. AFCB Club News. So Sean and I from Back of the Net certainly wish you, Dan, all the very best. Keep fighting the good fight. And uh, we love to read your tweets about AFC Bournemouth. And uh, in other news, you may have seen, like everyone else, the Millwall draw in the FA Cup. Oh, don't know if that's a good one or not a good one, Sean. But what do you think of that? Well, I, I think about it from a Millwall perspective and I can feel their pain. Being a Bournemouth fan when we were in League One or League Two, on the occasions when we did actually make it to the third round of the FA Cup, you sat there and you're going, come on, Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, you know, one of the big dogs. And we'd either get like a half-decent championship side that would knock us out, or on the rare occasion, whether it's FA Cup or League Cup, we did get a Premier League side and it'd be someone like West Brom. Uh, you know, a safe mid-table Premier League side who are probably going to have too much quality, but they're not a real glamour club. Because, you know, let's face it, Bournemouth aren't a glamour club yet. Um, so from our perspective, I think it's pretty good. Um, yeah, interesting just about the having a cup run or whatever. I mean, what do you think about that, Sam? Uh, yeah, I would I would love a cup run. I would love us to get to Wembley, a semi-final appearance. But we got to realise, based on what Eddie Howe usually does, um, uh, we wouldn't be necessarily seeing any regular Premier League players. So these are players like Mark Wilson and Brad Smith. I mean, I know he played recently, but other than that, not played at all. Mark Pugh got some minutes at Arsenal, but again, hasn't been used in a while. So you're kind of thinking now this this team that he could be playing certainly won't have had many minutes under their belt. No, but I would still think that we've got enough quality if they turn up and play to knock them out. And then who knows, fourth hmm. round. And it's kind of sad, though, eh, that talk about getting to Wembley and then say in the semi-final I yeah. hate with an absolute passion the fact that the road to Wembley is 
ends at the semi-final. Like the, it's, I still don't understand that decision. Leave the final at Wembley. It's special. Yeah. I, it really, it saddens me. More than, yeah. you know, it being called the Emirates Cup, I can kind of get over that because we still call it the FA Cup. But the fact that the semi-finals are at Wembley, that stinks, the FA. Stinks. Yeah. Steve Phillips on Twitter, Phil Watkins on Twitter, they all, Stu Bramley, all saying the same thing. So they uh, certainly agree with you there. Um, interesting to see Carrie Payton on Twitter to see last time she watched Bournemouth at Millwall, the Millwall fans were singing, where were you when you were shh? And at that point in time, I wonder what shirt we were wearing, Sean. And uh, well, it must have been quite a few years ago. Would it Would it count as a retro shirt? Oh, Sammy, good. Seamless link, retro shirt alert, retro shirt alert. Now, you, dear listener, you can make a difference. You can decide on the next retro shirt that could be seen in the club shop, but I'm not going to tell you all about it. I'm going to leave it to Sam with his whiz-bang fireworks and all retro shirt advertisement. Take it away, Sam. Who doesn't love retro? Oh, that's too much retro, even for me. But we just wanted to remind you of the Back of the Net Retro Shirt Poll. As you may have heard on the podcast on our website, we're showing off 10 of the best retro cherry shirts from yesteryear. And at afcbpodcast.com slash retro, you can see the shirts and vote for your top three. When the poll has closed, we'll collate the results and we'll then pass over the winners to the club. And who knows, you may well be seeing one or more of the shirts hitting the AFCB Superstore very soon. On our website, you can listen to Sean's interview with Cherry's programme writer, Gareth Davis, as they discuss all things retro. The shirts are Home 94.95, the red and black stripes, Exchange and Mart, Home 92.93, Cooper Beers Home 1986-87 Our classical Jermaine Defoe 10 in a row Home 2000-2001 This one reminds me of Jason Brissett Away 96-97 The AC Milan inspired Away 1990-92 That infamous purple Away green and horrible colour number 93-94 The Ted McDougall green and black stripes Of 97-91 John Bailey at Wembley, the special 1998 shirt, or the Wembley Prelude shirt, 97 to 98. Go onto afcbpodcast.com forward slash retro now and submit your details and vote for your top three. The winners will be sent to the club. And I, for one, cannot wait. Hit the music, please. You go listener head to our website get voting um we've had loads of responses so far i've been impressed i've been impressed sam with the number of entries that we've had for quite a fair few of the shirts actually so i'm going to be interested to see the final top 
three. But yeah, if you haven't voted yet, it's just going to be open probably for just another couple of weeks, I think, because we want to get the info to the club. So you've probably got a couple of weeks to head to the website, afcbpodcast.com forward slash retro. Pick your top three shirts. And then, yeah, that's Gareth's going to take that information to the club. And then they're going to be printing the purple away. Oh, I see it already. Take my money. So just a quick question about the retro shirt, Sean. In your eyes, do you choose your favorite retro shirt based on what you like the look of and what you deem to be, say, fashionable? Or do you go for the one that looks purposefully retro, if you get what I'm trying to ask? I think... Um, I think look, but I also actually think there's quite a lot of emotion attached to the shirts. I mean, the purple one was, I just find that so iconic because it was so hideous that it kind of works. So in that respect, I think it would be great to see that. But I think with the other shirts for me, uh, it's an emotional based decisions because you see those shirts and it does take you back to where you were. It could be a goal. It could be a game it could be anything like that that you just sticks in your head and that's what that's how i vote anyway well one of my favorite Bournemouth shirts wouldn't be the one from four or five years ago when we were without eddie howe he was at burnley and we're going back there on saturday bournemouth travel to turf moor in what could be a very difficult game against a burnley side that are currently sitting 15th in the premier league three points clear of relegation now their last few games haven't exactly been brilliant they lost 2-0 to Stoke at the Bet365 on Saturday. Before that, they were beaten at home 2-1 by Manchester City. So, you know, not exactly bad. But before that was a relatively shock result where they lost 4-0 at West Brom. Their last Premier League win was home 3-2 against Crystal Palace. But the Bournemouth team lineup is something that is being debated right now on Twitter and I'm sure there's going to be lots of conjecture between now and three o'clock or two o'clock when the team's announced on Saturday. Sean, have you got any thoughts? Because I've been reading some tweets here. Robert Murphy, he's a regular contributor to the show. He put his starting 11, Feds, Francis, Nathan Ake, Steve Cook, Brad Smith, Jordan Ibe, Sermon, Arter, King, Wilshire and a Fobe. What have you been smoking, Robert? What have you been smoking? I'm not sure about that one. But anyway, Sean, what what are your thoughts? Because it's there are a number of positions that where you could pick either or. There is. Um the goalkeeper one, I think Eddie made his decision in the Liverpool game of of who his goalkeeper is. So, you know, you question Boric's performance, but I really can't see him coming out of the side. I mean, you took him out now, confidence drops, whatever else. And I don't think we can't forget what an incredible season that Boric is having. So if he's gone back with him and you can question whether he should have been back in or whether Feds should continue, for me, I would expect to see the big pole in our goal. Our back four, I would go Aki left back, Cook, Francis and Adam Smith at right back. I think how we ended would be how we start. Then you go further forward, and maybe mm. this isn't what everyone would do. I would play all three substitutes that came on. I would play Ooh. Ibe, Arta, Wilshire, Fraser, and I would play a Fobe 
Anne Wilson. Wow, that's really interesting. Now, what I was going to ask you, actually, now you completely put out what I was about to say, because I'm just following Tom Jordan on Twitter, at TomJordan21. He said, following Junior's injury, which winger would you like to see take his place at Burnley? So he gave the options, Ibe, Fraser, Pugh and Gradle. Um, now, you're saying Ibe and Fraser should actually start. Now, let me just give you the stats from this poll. Live, live data now. 15% Jordan Ibe. 69% Ryan Fraser, 12% Mark Pugh, 4% Max Gradle. But you're saying that you'd like to see Ibe and Fraser both starting. So Josh King, who I thought actually was largely ineffective uh, in the first half against Liverpool, you're saying they should both start? Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, King was, whether it was through the formation or whether it was the players behind him or whatever else. Um, I feel like with Ibe, it's, we've... At some point, it's it's got to click. And amazing that Stu Bramley posted that Fraser's actually two years older than Ibe. And you, it's so easy to forget that. I still see the wee man as like this plucky young kid and Ibe as the big established player. And as Eddie's been stressing over the last few weeks, you know, Ibe is a kid. And at some point, I feel that he's got to fire. And confidence coming on. He's beaten his old club. Um. For me, yeah, the substitutes made a difference. Fraser, when he came on, it was interesting because we discussed Fraser coming on a few weeks, but I think it was the Sunderland game. And I didn't agree with that decision because for me, it just, the game, it was a different type of game. There was no space for him to run onto, whereas against Liverpool, there was lots of, he could use his pace. And from the start, I think we could potentially dictate the game against Burnley and catch them with the speed of Fraser, whatever else. And likewise with the phobe, we need to, at some point, we need to get him going. And maybe a game yeah. against Liverpool, maybe this is a good chance. Burnley are a little bit more traditional, can often line up 4-4-2, which then means potentially our formation of 4-4-1-1 slash 4-4-2. Maybe it gives us that opportunity. What do you think? Yeah, so just confirm with me. So if we were playing four four two with those two wings, as you say, who would be the middle two in midfield? Arter and Wilshire. Hmm. Interesting. Well, because yeah, Wilshire well, ended um, up playing against Liverpool a lot of the times. He was sitting hmm. deeper, I felt, and he was picking the ball up and was making those quick little passes between the defence and the midfield and the forward. And yeah, I think he could do it. Well, you know, oh yeah, this guy can do a job. <laughs> I would, I would be really, really excited to see a four-four-two, and I, I, I feel as though we're in a position now where, um, you know, not saying we're clear of relegation, far from it, but if we're going to sort of try this, maybe this is the match to do it. Less pressure on. Certainly, I agree with um, what you're saying with the the defence. As Red and Black, as Red and Black sixty-eight said on Twitter, Nathan Ake, two goals in three games, both winners, fantastic in defence. Didn't start a game till now, November. Now undroppable. Players are being given a chance, you know, maybe um, through unfortunate circumstances, like with Stanislas, who was seen um, walking out of uh, Vitality Stadium on crutches at the weekend, not putting any sort of weight on his foot. But yeah, I mean, I would be absolutely delighted to see that lineup. So a, a point for debate quickly. Say we win on Saturday. We are climbing up that table slowly but surely paul kenwood tweeted us point for debate europe a possibility <laughs> well <laughs> you know 
when we were in the championship, we hit those runs, didn't we? In a couple of those, those two seasons where at some point we just hit this run where everything went for us and we just kind of got elevated up and you go, oh, hang on, where are we going here? With no expectations, we're on a good run. Who knows? I mean, the Premier League, I think, is a hell of a lot more brutal in terms of the quality of opposition. I think it's harder to go on a big run, which was, I think, partly why Leicester's achievements were so amazing, that they did go on that winning run that included, you know, the big dogs, beating the big dogs. And um, so for us, I mean, we've got, you could say, a pretty good run of games coming up, but then you throw Chelsea into the mix of that. You know, so who knows? We can dream. We can certainly dream. So I want you to put your money where your mouth is now in terms of the performance, well, the results that you're expecting on Saturday. Sean Barker, what are you thinking? I think we will win the game. And um, yeah, I'd like to see us have these games and dominate and get a good result. I did play the game on FIFA 17 away at Burnley to check. It was a 1-0 win with Ryan Fraser scoring the winning goal. So maybe he's going to go on a good goal-scoring run. Um, I will go, but I'm, uh, I actually think a bit more. I'm going to go 2-0. 2-0. Um, for me, I can't see Burnley not scoring because they're set pieces. They launch them into the box. They're relatively good in the air. I can see them scoring a goal, but I think surely, surely we've got too much up front for them. I want to say 2-1 or 3-1. Um, 2-1, I'm going to say. I'm not going to be over-optimistic because we've had games like this before. And then next time round, we don't quite pull it out of the bag like we all expect. So I'm going to go 2-1 Bournemouth. Yeah, will Sam Vokes get the goal? And if he does, will he celebrate? Hi, I'm Michael Botto, and you're listening to Sean and Sam making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. Now, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, we certainly advise you to do it. Go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast because you'll be able to listen to all our podcasts. But also after every game, we have a knee jerk reaction of what's gone on in the last Cherries game. So I'll get on my webcam and do a sort of 10, 15 minute video uh, picking out the bones from the Bournemouth recent performance and uh, we certainly did so against Liverpool and oh I kind of went on a bit it was about 20 minutes long and thanks for all your comments as well and your subscribes because um, we really want to get you subscribing interesting YouTube comment though from Ollie Tabor who said enjoy your podcast strict reviews but I think you can make it better by adding post-match fan interviews and more cherries memorabilia in the background of the vids looks like I'm popping down the club shop eh Sean (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Get a few rosettes up there. Maybe, maybe put a bid in for the rotating um, Steve Fletcher from the club shop. Put that in the <laughs> background. That'd be awesome. Yes. Now, coming up on next week's show, we will have the competition to win yourself a copy of Football Manager 2017 for the PC or Mac. So I've got a copy now. I've just loaded it up. Cannot wait to waste hours trying to get. Bournemouth into the Champions League. So next week's show, we will bring that competition to you. So stay tuned for that. Superb. So what a result it was this weekend. 4-3. No one could have expected that against such a strong Liverpool side. However, 
There were a few people on Twitter who were saying that our reaction to the win has been slightly embarrassing. I'm talking about you, Mr. Tom Latcham, who said, we need to get rid of this plucky underdog tag. AFCB are now probably one of the best 10 sides in the country. So it's time we started to act like it. Tom, come on, man. It's approaching Christmas and everyone's full of festive cheer. Surely you can just give us fans a little time to reflect on what's been a quite sumptuous result i think i think really cherry's fans should really rightfully gorge on this result so uh, for you tom you might want to turn off your ipod for this next bit because now on back of the net to see out the show for this week we have put together a montage of the match including some fans reactions from liverpool's redmen tv some awesome goal audio from Steve Wright and also a number of extra little audio bites from the game as we reflect on that famous win at Dean Court. And it's we just need to remember, whilst we're both Premier League teams and the result is perhaps not a David and Goliath scenario, it is a scoreline that's hugely symbolic because we need to remember that the chasm between our two clubs is cataclysmic. Certainly is. So you have been listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. So just sit down, sit back, relax and enjoy listening to what's coming up. My idea was to go Liverpool into a bastion of invincibility, you know, like... Napoleon had that idea, he would conquer the bloody world, you know. And that's what I wanted, that Liverpool would be untouchable. My idea was to build Liverpool up enough and up until eventually it was a day. Everybody would have to submit, give up. Since I come here, to Liverpool, and to Anfield, I have drummed it into our players. This club is an integral part of the community. It's part of the fabric. It's a lifeblood. In a strict interpretation of football league rules, clubs in any form of insolvency should not play. And the football league have been very helpful today, allowed us to play on Saturday. They've got to survive. I've got a disabled son, and he enjoys football. And if it's Jerry's go down, he'll go down. Turn our attention, if we may, to Sunday's games. Bournemouth against uh, Liverpool. I've commentated on some of these games where Bournemouth have taken on Liverpool, Manchester United and Arsenal. And traditionally, down at the Vitality Stadium, start very well. They get corners, they get set pieces, they get momentum. 
but it, you'd be a fool to bet against Liverpool at the moment. Oh! I've never ever done that. I've never got back in time. deserved win for Bournemouth. <laughs> Congratulations for this performance and for this big fight, uh, what they delivered today. Um, 
I think a long part of the game we were the better side and we would have deserved to win, but in the decisive moment we gave the game away to Bournemouth. We, we opened them the door and they ran through with all they had, so then that's absolutely deserved because they stayed, stayed in the game. And scored some wonderful goals which they yeah, forced. Um, and um, so that's deserved. Steve Cook joins us on call, Colin Moore. Steve, a very good evening to you. Hi, how you right, Sam? Couldn't believe it myself, to be honest. Uh, up two and down and we were getting absolutely hammered. To be honest, he said uh, that we, we weren't doing our jobs and it was it was true. We weren't pressing. We weren't good enough on the ball and he let us know. Uh, he said if, if, we can, if we can do our jobs, then we've got a great chance. Um, and at 2-0, you always feel like the game's still there to be had. I give away, obviously, a goal last week uh, away at Arsenal. So uh, I've been thinking all week about scoring and making a difference uh, as a positive. So to get the equaliser today was was a dream. Um, uh, it was quite emotional as well. So yeah, I was absolutely delighted. And uh, it's sort of like like you say, it's always nice to score, but uh, to make a difference is is, is, is brilliant. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Barata papá. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado.